That was your one moment. When I tell you about my one moment against Dirk, that's your one moment. This one moment can define where you go from here. Now, that moment might not mean as much to Jason Tatum as it means to you. You fight for your fucking life in this moment. He plans, he, he wants it, but he's not fighting for his life. It's a different approach. Now, mind you, we got nine motherfuckers fighting for their life. Four of them motherfuckers is making a 800 million, and the other four making 100,000 fighting for their life. Now, you throw eight motherfuckers that's fighting for their life in the motherfucking ring. Mm-hmm. And you wonder why we win. Udonis Haslam, we are in Miami. Welcome. I'm, I'm with the mayor. Welcome, welcome. <laughs> We've been waiting for you. Hey, absolutely. I'm happy to be here. It's a beautiful day. I mean, you cannot say a bad thing about Miami. No, it's a good day today. It ain't too yeah. hot. You know what I'm saying? We're uh, chilling today. No, I'm very happy to be here. Happy to talk to you. I have really been looking forward to this because there are so few people that have the knowledge and experience that you have in this league. And you're such a principled person. And I don't think a lot of people are principled. And one of my favorite shows is The Wire. And in it, he says, a man got to have a code. Yes. And yes. you absolutely have a code. Yes, ma'am. I do. What are these, what are three things that you live by? Oh, man. Well, I mean, for me, I got to be able to look myself in the mirror. You know what I'm saying? When it's a tough decision for me to make, I get on the right side of it. I mean, make it easy for myself. What's the right thing to do? You know what I'm saying? And, um, you know, thirdly is I just got to keep it real. You know what I'm saying? At all times, no matter what the circumstances, no matter whether it benefits me or it benefits somebody else, no, no matter what the outcome is, like, I just got to be able to sleep or not. I got to be able to keep it real with myself. So I got to keep it real with myself first, man. And losing sleep at night is something that I ain't willing to do. Nah, not at this stage of the game. I'm tired of that. Ain't yeah. no more losing sleep. That's it. <laughs> so when did you make that decision? When were you losing a lot of sleep? I mean, it was kind of, I was raised like this, man. I was raised like kind of do the right things, keep it real with people around you, keep it real with yourself. Um, and I think trying to be liked, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, in a world where it's not very nice out here, I think that's the last thing you can do. You know what I'm saying? I think you got to be yourself. You got to live your truth. You got to walk your path. You know what I'm saying? And I think for me, you know, what I've noticed is that if I would have tried to do it the way people wanted me to do it, if I would have tried to be liked on the way to doing it, then I'm not sitting here having this conversation with you today. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? If I let what people thought about me dictate my circumstances, if I let what people thought I should be doing dictate where I go, then I don't go where I need to go and I don't get what I'm trying to be. You know what I'm saying? So. You know, for me, it's always about keeping it real with myself and how I feel about the decisions that I make because I'm the one that got to live with them. I'm the one that's got to suffer the circumstances or if it doesn't go the way I want. You know what I'm saying? So always just just judging myself on, am I keeping it real with myself, man? Am I, am I, am I going to look myself in the mirror at night and say, you know what I'm saying, you did the right thing and you, you stood on something? So that's what I always try to do. It's interesting how you talk about, you know, not always wanting to be liked or feeling that need to be liked. Because you are so liked. <laughs> now, now. Now, yeah. Now, and it's because of the knowledge that I have. Yeah. It's because I've been around. It's because of the success. I play with the greats. You know what I'm saying? I don't take nothing away from the people that I've had the opportunity to learn from. You know what I'm saying? All the way going back to the Shacks and, you know what I'm saying, the the, the Alonzo Mornings. And then I've had the chance to play with the Dwayne's and, you know, the LeBron's and the Chris Boshes. So I've had a abundance of knowledge that have, has come my way. So, um. As I've gotten to the OG role and I don't play that much no more, I'm not as competitive. I think people make, it's made me more approachable. 
you know what I'm saying, from the next generation. So with DM and social media, anybody can reach out to anybody. But So it'd be surprising. I'd be surprised how many of these young guys reach out to me just for advice, just on not always basketball, on business, on life, on family, you know what I'm saying, how to move out here. And um, uh, it's made me a little bit more likable out here. So I'm cool with that because I'm a likable guy. I got, I got a lot of like likable qualities. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm just a competitor. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? Sure. People just see the competitor most of the time. So what vision did you have for yourself in the NBA? And then how did the reality of what you were in the NBA live up to that vision? Man, to be honest, I think when people talk about their journey and their vision and it was like, oh, I always knew I was going to make it. I, I saw this house. I was going to buy my mom one day. Nah, I ain't know I was going to make it. I didn't have this vision of, oh, I'm going to buy this. I'm going to do this. I really just kept my head down and worked every day. Like, OK, how far can I go with this? If I keep if I keep pushing, how good can I be? Okay, I got to the state championship. I was great in high school. Okay, I got a college scholarship. How good can I be in college? You know what I'm saying? Can I can I really push this, you know what I'm saying, to another level? I was pretty good in college, but I wasn't drafted. You know what I'm saying? So now there's a decision to make. And I could have sat there and pointed the finger at the teams that didn't draft me or I was just look at myself and say, what can I do better? I had to condition myself. I had to get myself in better shape. I wasn't in the shape that I needed to be to put myself in a position to be on an NBA roster. You know what I'm saying? So... Um, that's another time I had to keep it real myself. You know what I'm saying? Not pointing the finger at the league saying, oh, they should have did this. Look who they drafted. Nah, I could do this. What can I do better? And that's another thing I tell my young boys, accountability. You know what I'm saying? We'll get into that later because that's a foreign language these days. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> <what> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, just just my journey and my path um, was never scripted. And I never knew where I was going to be. So I just put my head down and work, 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 work. And once I achieved something, I said, okay, I could do something else. You know what I'm saying? That's where the confidence came to get to where I'm at now because I was just achieving goals. And I was like, okay, if I put my head down, if I work my ass off, can I say ass? Absolutely. I work my ass off. Say whatever you want. If I work my ass off, then how far (laughs) can I go, man? So it was just built off work. Everything is built off the work. Don't trust me. Trust the work. Mm -hmm. I do want to touch on what you said because it's an important point about accountability. Where do you think and why do you think accountability has gotten a little lost? Um, uh, Probably selfishness. You know what I'm saying? In, in, in a way, I think, um, we, I mean, we're all born selfish. And, and I think we have to learn how to get out of that. And I think it's probably not, you know, the generation per se. Gotta give a sh- I gotta, gotta, I gotta, I gotta say it's the parents. Gotta say it's the parents, man. I gotta say it's the parents, man. If your kid don't know accountability, it's not your, it's not your kid's fault. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? If your kid don't know, yes, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. If your kid don't know, please, thank you. It's not your kid's fault. So I think with this generation, if they don't know accountability by the time they get to 19, 20 years old and they're making all this money, it ain't just happened now. That mean, they been ain't no. Mm-hmm. You, <laughs> you are know, who you are. You are who you are. Yeah. That mean, you been wasn't taught that. So, you know, and that's a lot of the situations with a lot of these kids that come into this situation where they got a lot of money and things like that. Things have been given to them and it's never really been their their job to be accountable. It's just been their job to just be good, just be great and just play the game and, and flourish. You know what I'm saying? And then when you get to this level, it's a lot of other things that come with this money. Mm-hmm. So with just all this knowledge, right? What has been more rewarding for you, being a player or being a mentor? <sighs> Probably being a mentor. Really? You know what I'm saying? Being a mentor. Yeah, because you affect way so many more people when you're a mentor. You know what I'm saying? I was watching so many so many guys come in this organization. First of all, you talk about the success we have with just undrafted players. You know what I'm saying? And I'm an undrafted guy. I wear that with pride. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, when these guys, like, come in here, I let them know. Like, you're expected to be – there's no drop-off. 
I don't care if he was drafted first. I don't care if he got $100 million, There's no drop-off. You expected to do and go and play and be just as successful as he is. There, there's no drop-off. So the expectation when you walk in the locker room of an undrafted player, um, I put even more on you mm-hmm. than a guy that was drafted. You know what I mean? When these guys come in here and it's personal. You know what I'm saying? It's personal. I live through these guys when they walk in this locker room. Okay, I'm not playing. I'm sitting on the side, but I'm going to tell you exactly what I would, would do. I'm going to show you exactly how you should do it. And I expect the results that I know you should have if you do it the way I tell you to do it. And if you don't get those results, we're going to keep going until we get them. Mm-hmm. What's your relationship with ego? With who? Ego. Ego. Oh. <sighs> At this stage, I have none. I used to. I used to have a big ego. Yeah, I used to have a huge ego. Um, but at this stage, at 43 years old, yeah, and I understand that, you know, um, I've had my success as a basketball player. And um, right now, it's not about me. You know what I'm saying? It's about Bam Adebayo. It's about Tyler Hero. It's about Jimmy Butler. It's about Jamal Kane, undrafted. It's about Caleb Martin, undrafted. It's about guys like Max Struess, who just got signed to a big contract for Cleveland. It's about guys like Gabe Vincent who just got signed for a big contract with the Lakers. You know what I'm saying? It's about a Hassan Whiteside who was, you know what I'm saying, out of the league and came with Miami and got a max deal. So I could go on and on. So it ain't about me. You know what I'm saying? I, I left me out a long time ago. It's been about them. Um, it's, it's been about how can I impact the next generation and help them reach their goals and where they're trying to get to. Because I see some of myself in so many of these guys in, in different situations and different generations. And once again, we bring in the most undrafted players in the league. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's really hard to not have ego, though. Because I think in a lot of ways, you know. But I had it. Yeah. I had it. I, ne- I don't say I never had it. I right. just don't have it now. Mm-hmm. Now, when I got into the role where I wasn't playing as much and where things started to turn the corner, yeah, it was some dark nights. Yeah, you throwing shit at the wall. You mad. You asleep. You, wanna, you know what I'm saying? You coming to practice with a chip on your shoulder. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, definitely. I had an ego. But, I mean, okay. Who cares? Who cares? Who cares that you D got in, in his feelings today? <laughs> Who yeah. cares? The world going to stop? Mm-hmm. Is practice going to stop? Is Spo going to stop? Mm-hmm. Is the heat going to stop? Hell nah. They not. So figure out how to be a part of it, how to be an asset, or your liability. Which one you want to be? Mm-hmm. But what was that big ego moment that led to the realization that you now have? When I just realized that it's, it's, I mean, to go home at night and to take the frustration of being in the gym and, you know, the things that happen in the gym and take that home with you, it's not fair to your kids. <laughs> it's not fair to your family. It's not fair to the people that sacrifice for you to be able to be in the position that you're in. So when I got to the point where things that are frustrating with work start to affect at home, got to let that shit go. Mm. Got to let it go. You know what I'm saying? And that's probably where decisions had to be made because that, up to that point, yeah, man, I go home at night if I ain't play well or if I ain't get the minutes I want or something, I sit in the dark, cut the lights out. Don't bother me. I'll talk to y'all tomorrow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but when you get to that point and you start to realize that ain't healthy for you and definitely not healthy for the people around you, that's when you got to make changes on that. You know, that's something I feel like actually is not talked about a lot in the league that being an NBA player is such an all-encompassing job. It's such a, a lifestyle, something that consumes so many parts of you yes, yes, that yes. you almost it's almost impossible to not bring work home. But bringing work home 
means that people who are not involved are being burdened by what happened with things that had nothing to do with them. And it sounds like you're saying you were experiencing that at some aspects of your life at some point. Yeah, I closed off. I mean, I felt no shame. Why should I? Yeah, I got I to gotta be my best version out here on the basketball court. If I ain't playing well, then I ain't getting paid. If I ain't getting paid, the bills ain't getting paid. So mm-hmm. if I need to take two days not to be bothered, then leave me alone. But I think as you get to a point where you get older, like I said, you realize it's not about you, man. You know what I'm saying? Like you got kids, you got a wife, you got a mother. You know what I'm saying? I lost my mother 12 years ago. I just lost my father about two and a half years ago. You know what I'm saying? And you realize that, you know, this time with these people are precious. You know what I'm saying? And you don't get these moments back. And I think when you get to a certain moment in life, you realize that the things that really have value are really just the memories. You know what I'm saying? I sat in the room, I sat in the hospital room with my mother at one point, and all we had were memories. Yeah, it didn't, I couldn't pay for nothing. You know what I'm saying? I couldn't pay the doctors to do nothing. I couldn't pay for no special medicine. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? The same thing with my pops. I watched my pops, and there's no special medicine I can buy. No matter how much success I had, no matter how much fame Udonis Haslam has, the memories is what you got at them points. So for me, realizing creating as many memories as I can with the people I love and the people around me, that's why I try to start to find true value. And I had to let that other shit go. Like, that's the true currency. And yeah. we've kind of been tricked yeah. into thinking yeah. it's the other stuff. Yeah, but you yeah. got to find it the hard way sometimes. Sometimes you got to go through things to find out what the real value in life and, and where the real value is. Mm-hmm. You know, I always think, you know, some people, they make fun of Jokic, how all he want to do is play basketball, then go home. And he's like, this is a job. I want to go home. I want to do these things. But he might be doing it right. He is doing it right. <laughs> he's doing he it right. He's like, this health. is the job. Yes. You know? And I don't know. It's. Everything else has made us believe that Jokic has to care so deeply about it in a way that we actually should all be acting the way Jokic is. One of the best years I had was the year that my mother was really struggling, you know, fighting her cancer. And um, I was coming, I was struggling with coming off the bench. That was the year that we had drafted Michael Beasley, obviously the number two pick, hell of a player coming out of college. Um and politics coming to play, a lot of things coming to play, and Michael Beasley ended up being the starting power forward for the Miami Heat. Supported Bees, got much love for Bees. Bees played for um, Frank Martin. Frank Martin was my high school coach at Miami High. So as soon as we drafted Bees, Coach Frank reached out, make sure you take care of Bees. Bees' locker was right next to mine. So Bees was my guy. But obviously there's a transition. Bees becomes a starter. I become the guy that comes off the bench. Now throughout that transition, also my mother is sick as well. So I'm literally landing from road trips and I'm landing. As soon as we land, I'm going to spend time with my mother in the hospital um, and just as much time as I can. Ironically, basketball was just a sport. It wasn't about life at that point. And my mother was more important. There were so many other things that were more important. I ended up having one of the better years I had. I ended up leading the league in double-doubles off the bench. Mm. Um, I was like runner-up for six men of the year. And it was just one of the more, one of the better years that I had. But it was really because I really didn't give a damn that much about basketball. It was crazy. Like I was playing well because basketball really wasn't my priority at that time in my life. And I ended up playing way better. And I learned something at that point as well in my life about, you know, just how I approach the game and just how there's so many more things that are more important. Mm. You know, you've you've talked about your mom before you talked about your dad I was listening to the interview that you did with the pivot and in it you were talking about just losses that you have endured in your life and I think you said that when you were going through the losses your mindset was always sort of okay you keep going you go to work we're taught that you just are always pushing forward but you have now realized that that isn't always the way to do it do you feel like you have actually had a moment to cope with what loss has been for you in your life 
uh, I'm still coping. Still talking to my therapist. Still dealing Me with too. It. Yeah, I'm still <laughs> coping. I'm still talking to my therapist. Shout out to him. You know who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, now nah, I'm still coping, man. You know what I'm saying? Like I said, I lost my mom 12 years ago. My pops two and a half years ago. Um, I lost my older brother, Sam. Um, you know, I, I've, I've dealt with a lot of things. So, nah, you co- I'm dealing with them every day because I still miss them. You know, I still think about them. You know what I'm saying? I still think about what my pops would have said when I sit down and watch the Dolphin games on Sunday because that's what we used to do. You know what I'm saying? Um, when I go to church on Sunday, I still think about my mom's because she was real religious. You know what I'm saying? So, nah, I'm still coping every day, but they live through me. You know what I'm saying? I got a highlight team. Never been to a highlight match. Only reason I bought a highlight team because I remember when I was a kid, my mama and dad used to go to highlight and leave me in the car because I couldn't go in. And they said, I'll be oh. back in about an hour. <laughs> they go in, they play their little highlight, they win their money or not. <laughs> and they come back and we go home about our business and go home. So for me, having an opportunity to buy a highlight team when I was older, it's just living through my parents living through me. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And I've learned the game and it's exciting as hell. But I just remember those moments, those moments when my pops, hey boy, I'll be right back. Don't, don't open this door. I'm going to crack these windows. Don't go nowhere. Mm-hmm. And when he come back, he be, where well, he win his little money, we go eat somewhere. If he ain't win his little money, we take it at home. <laughs> go home, no home. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So to have the opportunity to do something like that, that's my parents living through me. It's beautiful because yeah. I'm sure they are absolutely living through you. What is, um, what's a personality trait that you got from your mom and one you got from your dad? Oh, man. Personality trait? My, probably um, I'm, I'm funny. I'm like, I'm like funny. I got jokes. I got that from <laughs> my mama. My mama. My mama got jokes. I got that from my mama. Um, from my daddy, you can't tell me it ain't nothing I can't do. Mm. I, I'm telling you, you can't tell me it ain't, if, I, if I ain't do it, I'm going to learn how to do it. You know what I'm saying? I'm never going to tell you that you can beat me in nothing. I'm never going to tell you that you're better than me in nothing. You know what I'm saying? I, can, I believe I can do everything. I got a son that played baseball. I ain't never played baseball a day in my life. But I would not let him think he can strike me out ever. <laughs> <laughs> I would not let him think he's ever going to be able to strike me out. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I'm just that. I got that from my daddy for sure because there wasn't a day that my daddy ever let me think I was going to be him anything. Mm, that's beautiful and I, I really love hearing that you're in therapy and you're coping you're doing all the things I say this every show we talk about therapy a lot I have a therapist she's great shout out Dr. Dell everybody should absolutely try it um, I was also reading an interview that you did with I think it was Hot Living and you said I couldn't have dreamed it any better which is why I think I didn't dream what did you mean by that? See, I just said that earlier remember I said I didn't plan this? yeah <sighs> Because when you walk out your house every day and you see something, it's hard to dream other than what you see. I had never been to South Beach until I got in the NBA. I tell people all the time, so how the hell was I going to dream about going over there if I don't even know what's over there? You know what I'm saying? Until I got to the, until I got to the University of Florida, I thought everybody lived like me. When I get, oh, wait a minute. You didn't see drugs growing up? You didn't see violence? You didn't see this? You didn't see that? Then I started realizing things I experienced was different. They wasn't the ones different. It was me that was different. Like, I experienced the trauma. Like, I thought that my life was normal. Hell no, my shit was not normal. (laughs) And I was looking at them like, the hell kind of life you had? Then I realized, like, it was the me that had experienced the trauma in life. And it was me that was going through the the negative things. So, 
Nah, I didn't dream, man. It wasn't until I got to college and I played at the University of Florida that I realized that I grew up a little different. You know what I'm saying? And that's when I probably started to realize, okay, there's other things out here for me. And that's why I make it my mission now with my foundation is, first things first, let's show them something different than what they see every day. Mm -hmm. Because they're going to be brainwashed by what they see every day. And that makes it 10 times harder Mm -hmm. to get them out the mud. You need the other environment. Yeah, we got to get them out the mud. We got to do it with, you know, most of these kids get excited by what they see first. Mm Mm-hmm. And just to put into perspective for people that maybe do not know the Florida geography, where you are at, Liberty City is only, what, like 10 miles from South Beach or so, right? Yeah, yeah, right across the bridge. And you had never been. No, we go to Hollywood Beach. If anybody from Miami, you watching this show, you know where we go. We go to Hollywood Beach. We get our grills. We get our jet skis. We go to Hollywood. We do not go to South Beach, especially if you're from Miami. You really even consider South Beach Miami. I hate when people when you come here and you say I've been to Miami, and when people be like, "Where you went?" I'll be like, "South." No, that is not. We, you ain't come to Miami if you went to South Beach, Jack. No, you did not. <laughs> and that is, I just think that really is like the perspective of what you mean by. I was living in this world. Yeah. It wasn't this world. No, no. I, I literally, all that club live and none of that. No, I ain't been in none of that. Not until I got in, in the NBA and got a little change. And then it was on. <laughs> so growing up, to you, the thing you were going to be was? I thought a football player. Okay. Because we in South Florida. Mm-hmm. And that's all we do down here in Miami is play football. And then I'm a huge Dolphin fan. I mean, we going back to Joe Robbie Stadium. You know what I'm saying? People, if they probably don't even know what Joe Robbie Stadium is nowadays. There's a lot of fake Dolphin fans out here. There's a lot of, there's a lot of fakes out here. I don't gonna know who the real is. But I'm going back to Joe Robbie Stadium, Dolphin uh-huh. fan. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Jim Crash Jensen. Mm-hmm. You know, probably don't know who Jim Jensen is. Like the real yes. stuff. So, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's... This this is in me. This is who I am, man. And like I said, I never strayed away from who I was and I love my city, but... I ain't never been across that bridge till I got in the NBA. And now you are who you are, a true legend of the league. You are kind of the, uh, you're somebody I would say was like the leader. I think when people thought about leadership in the NBA, you were a face that would come to mind. What does it take to be a good leader in this league? And is that disappearing some as well? You got to have a code. Like you said earlier, you got to have a code. And people got to watch you stand on them codes no matter who it is and no matter what it is. I think the problem is people flip codes on depending on who it is. They might check one of the guys on the bench, but they won't say nothing to the superstar. That's when your teammates lose respect for you. Mm. That's when they will not follow you. That's when they see through you. Can't do that. You got to have a code. We talked about that earlier. You know what I'm saying? If I got something to say to the last man on the bench, and if he's slacking and I say something to him, I can't let the number one player on the team slack and turn my cheek because they're going to see that. And then they don't respect me no more. And all of a sudden, my words fall on deaf ears. So I got to have a code. I got to hold myself accountable first. Coming in, being in shape. They don't want to hear that shit if I ain't in shape. Get your old ass out of here, OG. <laughs> <laughs> they don't want to hear that. You yeah. know what I'm saying? It don't work like that. Mm-hmm. And in the league, were you always comfortable with giving that same criticism and compliments to the superstars that you would give to the role players or the people on the bench? Like, were you always okay in that space? Nah, I was more so, I I, I, I just play hard. I let my play and, and, and my approach infuse the team. It's like bring life to the team, like the way I approach it. You know what I'm saying? And as I got a little older, you know what I'm saying? I realized that I can also impact people with my voice. You know what I'm saying? And once I realized how powerful that was, then it's like, okay, now, how do you impact people? Because everybody's motivated, impacted differently. 
got to get to learn people, learn their families, learn their backgrounds. Why is he like this? Why is he not like this? That takes time to mm-hmm. spend with a person. Mm-hmm. Now, spending time with a person, getting to know a person, takes time away from what you might want to do with your personal life or what you have to do in your personal time. How important is it to you? Mm. And you talk about, okay, being a leader, being able to kind of be equal opportunity with your criticism, with your compliments. Who was your favorite or best player leader that you've had in your career? Ooh. <laughs> I can't just say one. Give me two. I, I got to say... Sh- <sighs> Shaq. Because he always tried to make it about just a game. He always tried to, you know, he, he never wanted us to take it home with us. He always told us that it's just a game, enjoy it, have fun. And that's something that was always hard to do. And fast forward, when I got to the points that I got to in life, I realized why he said the things he said. Mm-hmm. And I was able to kind of manifest those things. And I would say LeBron. I watched LeBron ride a bike to the gym, attempt 10 speed, lift weights for an hour, stretch for another hour. <laughs> Mind you, we got another two hours before practice start. <laughs> <laughs> this man done, done all this shit and practice started at 10 a.m., which means he probably done started this shit at 6. <laughs> so he's a different. <laughs> Watching that, understanding what it takes to kind of have the kind of longevity that I've had in this league, because even though I haven't played Braun minutes, I still got to go out there and practice with them young motherfuckers. They run, they jump, they athletic. They don't get no sleep. <laughs> you know totally. what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, it's so... Being able to have to do those things, you know, made me understand that if I wanted to continue to try to keep up with these guys, it had to be a lifestyle. You know what I'm saying? All that taking a couple weeks off in the summertime, hell no. As soon as the season's over, get your ass in the gym. You got to keep going. Yes. If I stop, it's over. Because <laughs> I think that is something people don't realize. Basketball actually isn't the job. Your body's the job. Yes, yes. And yes. the basketball is a symptom of you taking care yes. of your body always. Yes. And that's what everybody says about LeBron is number one priority in all things is is my body right? And that is within makes him yeah, good. And making and keeping your body right is nonstop. Oh, for sure. And I, and I watch that man do that and I say, damn. You know what I'm saying? He the king. He, he still, he, if he do it, he ain't got to do that. I don't think he do, but he doing it. So, yeah. you know what I'm saying? You'll be a fool to be around all these great guys and, and all this, you know, magnificent talent and not take nothing from these guys. Mentally, physically, you know, how they getting it done, how they get to where they at, mm-hmm. and how they maintain it. I'll be a fool not to, learn, not to learn something. You know what I'm saying? That's what I tell my guys that come behind me. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You'll be a fool. You know what I'm saying? Not to soak up some of this game. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So before you retired, you were the oldest player in the league. It is now LeBron. So nobody knows better than you how hard it is, LeBron, 38 years old, to be doing what he's doing. Can you put into perspective just the age and what we're seeing and how wild it is that we're still seeing you it? probably ain't going to never see that again. Not no time soon. We ain't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not like that. Not at that level. You know what I'm saying? You talk about all the guys that, you know, played 20 some odd years and you even include myself in there. You look at the combined average. I don't think we combine average as much as what Braun averaged this in his last year. <laughs> he can put all this together. I don't think we go average what Braun averaged his last year. So, I mean, it's not a knock on us. That's just a tribute to him. You know yeah. what he's capable of doing, Absolutely. what he's been able to do. Um, and, and it's not it's not a fluke, man. The man worked. It's a lifestyle for him. You know what I'm saying? There's, there's no days off. Even if he's not in the gym, you know what I'm saying? Lifting, I bet I bet damn sure eating right. 
Mm-hmm. If he and if he ain't eating right that day, he probably running it off. If he eating the wrong <laughs> shit, he gonna run it off that night. <laughs> you know what yes. I'm saying? He is it, a lifestyle, and that's how you gotta live if you want to continue to have longevity in this league. Man, you gotta take care of your body first. That weight room. All you basketball players don't like to be in that weight room. They get your ass in that weight room. Mm-hmm. You trying to be? If you trying to stay away from them injuries, if you trying to have a long lasting career, that is something that is non negotiable. That is something that I watched Bron do. That is something that even though once again I didn't play as much as him, that is something that was non negotiable for me. I ain't stopped lifting weights. I probably ain't stopped lifting weights in the last eight years. Mm. From even in the summertime when the season's over, I'm still doing the weight room before I get back on the track. Before I get back in the gym, the weight room is consistent. Mm. Okay, so this next question is probably going to be hard to pick, but it is a challenge. You've won three NBA championships. Mm-hmm. Which one means the most? The first one. That was easy. That was not hard at all. I mean, because the first one was the one where, you know what I'm saying, it was, I think that was the first one that kind of defined how my career was going to go. Mm. You know what I'm saying? You don't get to pick and choose the moments. You just got to be ready for them. You know what I'm saying? Dirk and the Whiskey were tearing people ass up in that playoff series, man. He told, he told San Antonio ass up. Told OKC ass up, and I was next on the list. <laughs> <laughs> I was next. I remember sitting at home with my homeboys, and they looking at me like, "Boy, hey, your ass, boy." <laughs> and I'm looking at them like, "Yeah, okay," because I know I got to come home, and I know they ain't gonna they ain't gonna lay off. So now, now it's personal, you know. Now it's personal. I think, you know, what I'm saying that series could have went another way, and I think Udonis Haslam's career could have probably went another way. Mm. Being able to be prepared in the moments and to be able to seize the moments and shine in the moments. A lot of times that's how players' careers are defined. You know what I'm saying? It might not be the 20 years that I played. It might be the moments that I had in those 20 years that people might define me at. And in that moment, shit, Udonis has them stood up in the paint. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I think that moment kind of defined how my career was going to go. Did you realize how defining it was in the moment, or did you realize it later on? Later. I didn't realize in the moment, in the moment, I could I could be honest now, I was crying. I had a little emotion, you know what I'm saying? I tell people with champagne in my eye, but yeah, I got a little emotional, you know what I'm saying? I carried a lot, undrafted, you know what I'm saying? And um, playing for the city of Miami, born and raised. Mm-hmm. Um, and then stepping in a situation where obviously, like I said, you know, I really wasn't given much of a chance. You know, I read the paper, you know what I'm saying? I don't pay attention to what people say, but I damn sure hear them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I've had this thing where I use everything. I use everything people say. I use everything people do. Um, and there was just so much emotion built up in that series because you know how y'all do. Y'all do the little layouts. Y'all do the little matchups. This person against this person. Point guard, point guard. Shooting guard, shooting guard. Small forward, small forward. <laughs> Oh, powerful! This ain't even this ain't even this ain't even a fair matchup. Okay, keep going with that shit, media. Y'all keep it up. I'm just sitting here eating, eating it up, eating it up, and my homeboys feeding it to me. Boy, you gonna tell your ass up now? Now I'm eating, and my homeboys keep feeding me. Now, so now when I get in there, it's like it's like lock me and Dirk in the room, and I don't give a damn. I'm coming out for 48 minutes. You lock us in the room, and I don't give a damn what happened. I gotta be the one that come out that room. And that was the mentality. And did you feel like after that, even just you were received differently? Did yeah. it feel like that to you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was able to bring a championship back to the city. Um, yeah, definitely received differently. Definitely looked at differently. You know what I'm saying? I ain't going to lie. I'm a 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, seven, six, seven power forward. 
I ain't, you know what I'm saying? If I listen to the analytics, they, I call them athletics. They say analytics. If I listen to the <laughs> athletics, a six, six and a half power forward should not be winning a championship. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I was looked at differently. I was perceived differently. You know what I'm saying? And, and you know, I think that's when it kind of been the, the prince of the city kind of like took his little name. And, you know, I got to get Trick the Mayor, Luke the King, you know what I'm saying? Ross the Boss, and I'm the prince. And that's kind of how that went. That's amazing. I mean, and correct me if I'm wrong, but, you know, as, as I'm hearing you talk about about this, you're talking about, you know, matching up with Dirk, what people were saying, but the confidence that you had, it doesn't sound like to me you've ever experienced a lot of doubt about yourself. Is that true or no? If I did, once somebody else doubted me, it pissed me off. I can doubt myself. You can't do that. I can talk shit about myself. You can't do that. I could feel away about myself. You can't do that. So when I did have doubt, all I had to do was listen to somebody else say some shit about me I ain't like. And it worked like a <laughs> and charm. And it changed everything I felt. It changed everything I was thinking. It, it, it didn't matter anymore because I'm going to prove you wrong. I'm going to prove your ass wrong no matter what I got to do. Mm, I love that. Because if that was your mission, yeah. Yeah. you accomplished that. Yeah. I think mean, everybody, and I mean this, you have created this for yourself and you have a name in this league that forever rings out. You are a very specific person in the ecosystem of the NBA. And I think that accomplishing something like that is actually a lot harder than winning a championship. It's a lot harder than being like one of the greats. We know what this league is like and the politics of it and the personalities, how people receive things, all these things. So for you to be as solid in it and to have planted such a flag in it, I think above all else is probably the thing that you maybe should make to take the most pride in. Yeah, is it? You're right. You're right. Yeah. You're right. You're right. I mean, to be able to be to be able to to be respected, like I said, by all generations. Yeah. And because I said it's one thing to be respected by the guys you play with and they know you. But it's a whole nother thing to be respected by this next generation that didn't play with you, don't know you as well. Because once again, they can see through it. Mm -hmm. They can see the fake shit. They can see the bullshit. You can't lie to them. You can't sell it to them. You know what I'm saying? And and they ain't buying it. They don't have to. Mm -hmm. You're 43 years old. Whether I listen to you or not, I'm going to still get my money. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Absolutely. They don't, they don't have to. So if they see through your bullshit, they will dismiss you and move on. You know what I'm saying? So you either figure out how to be an asset or they don't they they, they ain't listening to me. So first things first, hold myself accountable. Come in in shape. Before you tell somebody else to be in shape, get your old ass in shape. Make sure your old ass stay in shape. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, I want to talk about the heat a little bit. Let's do it. Um so after the Eastern Conference Finals last season, Spo and Bam were on the stage and Bam was like, I was so excited because, you know, Spo had us watch this movie and it got us hype. <laughs> what was the movie? I can't tell nobody. Oh my goodness. I'm not telling nobody. <laughs> I'm not telling nobody what that movie was, but just understand. Spo's face was like. <laughs> just understand everything we might, anything we watch, anything we talk about, it's about staying connected through everything. It's about staying connected because that's our superpower is our connection. Okay. So that is probably all we'll ever find out. That's all you're going to get from me. About this movie. That's all you're going to get from me. I, I'm like, I one day. It might be. I'll tell you one thing. It wasn't a movie. It was a documentary. I'll give you that. Okay. Y'all watched the doc. 
learned about That's staying connected through watching that That's dog. Give you. Yes. I don't know if it's going to be two years, five years, 10 years. Did, did you see I'm going to figure out <laughs> you what see, y'all watched. You see full face when Bam said yes. that. That's what I said. I got to know. I got to know. <laughs> He's looking at him like, do not say it. Uh, and then Bam's thinking, why did I even mention this yeah, movie? <laughs> yeah, that was, that was for the team. But did y'all get on him after for mentioning it? Yeah, we all just laughed about Spoh's <laughs> face. <laughs> the look on full face when Bam mentioned that. I'm like, we yeah, we gotta get we gotta get people on the case. I gotta find out what this documentary is. I'm trying to I'm trying to get connected. That was it. That was supposed to stay in house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the Miami Heat though, just generally, mm-hmm. obviously you talk a lot about culture. Yes. What it means to be a Miami Heat player. Yes. But I actually believe that this likely will stay in house. Like this is an organization where you all do keep things close to the best. It is yes. about being connected in yes. this brotherhood yes. that exists. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it, it is a thousand percent. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the success we've been able to have, we've been the more connected team. You know what I'm saying? I think what people start to realize that all you athletics, it just think that you can write down on paper what a championship team should look like. And then you're going to poof and they're going to be in the championship. Once you do it every year, you go do it again this year. You'll do it again next year. You do it every year. But once they realize that that is not the true ingredients to winning a team you can have talent you can have coaching you can draw that shit up like Lombardi if the guys are not connected if they don't believe if you ain't got some dogs you ain't you know it's not happening what gives you the confidence that Bam can be that culture carrier for the Miami Heat because I watched him I seen it with my own eyes you know what I'm saying? I've seen who he came in and who he was, you know, being a backup to Hassan, coming off the bench, to being an all-star, to being an Olympian, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, to being a leader, you know, on both ends of the floor. You know what I'm saying? Now we're talking about the game of basketball. We're talking about guys that are two-way players. How many guys actually do that? And he's one that does it with the best of them. You know what I'm saying? I think the success that Miami Heat has had over the last four years um, – you don't have that success without Bam. Now, obviously, everybody understands what playoff Jimmy does and how great Jimmy is, and we understand how great Hero is with the sixth man of the year. But the one consistent piece that has not been injured, well, he got injured once, and I got a chance to play. I actually played well, too. But the one consistent piece that doesn't get injured much, the one consistent piece that you know keeps that engine going offensively and defensively is Bam. And that's how I know, because we've been so successful. And he might not get the credit that is due because we got guys that score a lot more points. And that's what people like. That's pretty. That's cute. Um, But the one consistent piece that has kept that shit together is Bam. Bam's the gamer. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So last season during the Eastern Conference Finals, I was texting Jimmy about the game. And he said, Taylor, I'm the best basketball player in the world. I spoke to him a few weeks ago. He said, I'm still the best basketball player in the world. I think what people don't understand is Jimmy means that and believes that when he says that. Oh, for sure. Yes. Yeah, he know. I play. Listen, I just went and just played against Jimmy the other day. So every day last year on home games, Jimmy and I play one on one. And you might not believe this. I still got a little something in the tank. I went and played the other day with him. Now, with that being said, the shots that Jimmy Butler make are not normal. <laughs> this is what I'm saying to you. And if somebody keeps making them, then you start believing it's not luck anymore. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So I've seen Jimmy make shots on me repeatedly, 
repeatedly. Am I saying this shit yeah, right? Repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. Yeah. <laughs> I've yep. seen Jimmy make shots on me that mm-hmm. people don't make. Yeah. And he keeps making them. The degree of difficulty on the shots that he's making, how he is creating space to get to these shots, there that is something different. Because I've done the same thing with Dwayne. I've played one-on-one with Dwayne. I've played one-on-one with LeBron. I've played one-on-one with Joe Johnson and some of the greatest ISO one-on-one players in the league. Now, I've played one-on-one with Jimmy. You know what I'm saying? So I've seen the difference. Now, that's not to say that Jimmy's better than those guys, but Jimmy damn sure might be one of the smartest one out of those guys. Mm. Jimmy is smart as hell. He understands how to get his shot off. He understands how to get you to switch your pivot feet so he can attack one leg, so he can counter you. He understands how to get to the free throw line. Now, mind you, you're thinking about all this stuff as you're guarding Jimmy, and then he just shoot it in your face because you got your hands down. You know what I'm saying? So it's just so much that comes into play when you have to guard a Jimmy Butler, especially for 48 minutes. Mm-hmm. So I think the thing with Jimmy, and I'm trying to think of the right way to word this, like we obviously all know how great Jimmy is when he gets to the postseason. We call him playoff Jimmy. We applaud these performances and the ways that he is able to will his team to a win or to, you know, conference title, whatever the case may be. But sometimes I feel like in some ways the playoff Jimmy moniker has hurt him amongst NBA fans because they are feeling like they're only seeing it in the playoffs. Now, whether that's true or not, they're not understanding that it's still the ability that he can turn this on when it needs to be turned on. Do you think that people are sort of misunderstanding Jimmy's game because of the focus that is always on Jimmy in the postseason? Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. Well, one thing I'm going to say about people at home, Jimmy Butler is the ultimate competitor. I think, I think honestly, I think Jimmy loves com- competition more than basketball. Yeah, spades, Chinese checkers, dominoes, whatever it is, <laughs> Jimmy wants to smoke. Yeah, You know what I'm saying? So Jimmy is the ultimate competitor. If Jimmy could play all 80, I'm going to retire, 82, 84, how many? Yes. If Jimmy could play all 82 <laughs> games, 84, how many it is, I don't play no more. But if he could play all them games, he would play them. He yes. would play them. His body just not a, doesn't allow him. We are talking about another guy who plays both ends of the basketball court. Two-way player. He is not taking a break on the defensive end. Mm-hmm. He's most likely going to be guarding the best offensive player nine times out of ten between him and Bam. So we're talking about a guy who puts a lot on his body mentally, physically, and emotionally. So, yes, there are times where Jimmy Butler has to take a seat. You know what I'm saying? And understand, you know, be smart about it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just how it goes. You know what I'm saying? I've never been a guy who's been asked to do so much offensively. And defensively, you know what I'm saying? So I don't know how that might feel, but I can imagine. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And when he does step out on the floor, he leaves it on the floor. Mm-hmm. I, have no, I have no quarrels about what Jimmy brings when he suits up. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? So I understand that you can't pour from an empty cup. Sometimes you got to refill his cup. Mm-hmm. And I respect that. For sure. Were you a Bure guy? I'll do a little Bure. Just, do a little, Just a little bit? Just a little bit. a little bit back in the day. You losing a little money on Bure? <laughs> uh, yeah. My business manager over there. Yeah, he's like, he unfortunately was a Blu-ray guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> them days over. I don't gamble that much no more. I don't have no time like that. Yeah, you no, play, I You gamble, you, don't, you know, that's, that was hours. We used to play for hours. And the plane rides yes, and just everything. Yes, and then it's yes. like somebody then, challenged you to the game. You got to say yeah, yeah. And then you land, depending on how good the game is, you keep it going. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, I ain't got time to spend that kind of money no more. Best, you don't need to tell me the, the price or anything, but just best Boo-Ray game you've been a part of. Man, I seen somebody lose one night and somebody yell, I'm about to go buy a truck. <laughs> <laughs> That's how much it was. Yeah, y'all take it seriously. No, nah, I wasn't in that game. I had no folded mines. <laughs> I'm done, yeah. I had no folded mines. <laughs> I love that. Uh, did you... 
Did you think that Dame was coming to Miami? Um, I thought it was possible. You know, once he said he wanted to come to Miami, I thought it was possible. You know what I'm saying? But I think one thing about us is we don't worry about who we don't have and what we don't have. We only worry about who's in the locker room and what we got to do. So if he would have came, you know what I'm saying, welcome. But, you know what I'm saying, we, we wasn't tripping. You know what I'm saying? It's just it's part of the business. But Dame is a, a hell of a player. I like Dame. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? I really do like Dame. So who wouldn't want Dame Lillard? But, you know what I'm saying, at the end of the day, we don't really focus on what we don't have and who we don't have. Yeah, and you, everything moves. You yeah. keep moving. Yeah, and we're going to be fine. I still expect us to win the East. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. I do. Oh, I, I know you all always believe that. I, yes, I do. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. I do. Yeah, you okay. say you all. You mean you don't? I uh, well, first off, I'm a Hawks fan. Let me interview you. I'm a Hawks fan, so I all and I'm always okay, wrong. Well, that we're yeah, gonna. Don't, don't, we gonna <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I can say I always think we're gonna. Asian knows. I say it every year. It yeah. never happens. Yeah. So. Well, so, yeah. But, <laughs> but hey, like hey, at least I'm Southern, so don't hold it against me. Well, you in the South? Yeah, well, exactly. I still expect the East to go through Miami. You know okay. what I'm saying? I don't, I don't care what's on paper. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I really don't. The game got to be played in between the lines. Now, I will say the reason I am in no way doubting the thing that you're saying is because you all have shown that it will work because you guys will yourself to these places. So it's not that I think it's a, it would be a surprise, right? So, so let me ask you a question. Okay, here why, we go. Why every year mm-hmm. is it about New York or Brooklyn or Philly mm-hmm. or Boston? And, oh, Miami's over there too. Why, why, why is it always like that? So I don't know the exact answer to that. I feel like I don't necessarily Until do the Miami projections wins. in that way. But I think that the simple answer and probably the most truthful answer is that people pay attention to those teams because of their cities, because of their markets, because of the one big name guy that's on that team. I don't think I agree that people bring New York into it, though. I don't think people ever say that New York is going to be the favorite. That's one of the ones not, that you said. Not the favorites, but they always pick these teams over us. Yeah, that is true. How? The Athletics. That's actually we're gonna have to. You know what we're gonna Athletics. We're gonna pull up NBA Twitter Live because I did not pick those teams over y'all. I put y'all in it. Okay. I'll pull up my rankings. Okay, cool. I'm just trying to figure out how they keep getting the. I mean, thank you. Yeah, we use it. We appreciate y'all. Keep doing it. Y'all ain't learned yet, but damn. Yeah, but it's you know a lot of it too is just what I've sort of learned about being in the media is a narrative will always take over. Sometimes it takes one person saying it for everyone to say that is likely what's going to happen because the more you're fed something over and over and over, the more players that you're seeing over and over and over, you tend to believe that means that they are the best people equate exposure to the greatness. If that makes sense. I understand. But really it's just, this is who we're saying. So it's who we're talking about. But I think also you all, I think you all kind of like that people don't pick you. Like, I think you, you, internalize that in some ways. And in some ways, I think it actually does help that you don't get picked. We, we, we use it. Yeah, exactly. So you know what? You're welcome. We use it. <laughs> we, use, we use everything. We use everything. <laughs> you are welcome. That we is my everything. response to that. Well, I told you how I am. I mean, if, if I don't feel a way about myself and if I hear somebody else say it, they're not allowed to say that. Yeah, You know exactly. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. As soon as they say it, now we pissed. Yeah, yeah, now we got to prove him wrong. Now we got to prove you wrong. <laughs> um, another nugget that I really liked when I was listening to your interview that you did with The Pivot is you were talking about when Braun and D-Wade and Bosch were here, they took less money for you to be on the team. Mm-hmm. What did you learn about those three guys in that moment making that decision? 
how important winning a championship was to them. Those guys didn't know me. Dwayne knew me, obviously, but LeBron didn't know me and Chris didn't know me. But the fact that they thought that I won could help them get to that point of winning a championship. And two, it was that important that they would sacrifice millions of dollars to get that for somebody they don't even know, haven't had a conversation with. It's not like we sat down and had dinner and we were like, okay, we're going to do this. I wasn't a part of the dinner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, with, with yeah. Rod and, you know, D-Wade and CB had dinner, I wasn't a part of the dinner. So for those guys to make that decision on the fly, you know what I'm saying? Because they didn't have much time to think about it because I was on my way out, Jack. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I was on my way out, Jack. You know what I'm saying? So for those guys to make that decision on the fly and to be able to just break a little bit of bread off of me, you know what I'm saying? I just want to make sure, one, you know what I'm saying? I appreciate it. And two, I'm going to make sure they get their money's worth. Absolutely. A few more for you. I do want to talk a little bit about, little bit about uh, retirement. Um, I know the moment that you announced you were retiring, but when was the moment that you knew that it was time to retire? Um, the year before my last year, I lost my pops. That's when I knew I was definitely done. You know what I'm saying? We were supposed to ride out together. You know what I mean? My last year, we was going to spend a lot of time together. We was, he was going to travel with me. You know what I'm saying? Do a lot of things. My pops was my best friend. So when you think about it, you know what I'm saying? A lot of the guys that I played with either retired or moved on to play somewhere else. So I wasn't spending much time with my teammates. You know what I'm saying? Outside of doing the things they want to do. So many, so much damn what the damn thing they play. It's only so much. Oh, yeah, play. like PS, yeah. Xbox, yeah, man, whatever. Yeah, playing that damn thing in the dark. And <laughs> like, it's only so much that I could do. So outside of, you know what I'm saying, my free time with my teammates, I used to spend a lot of time with my dad. Like I said, watching the Dolphin games. You know what I'm saying? We listen to Isley Brothers. We just be chilling. So, you know, um, that was, that was, that you know, that that was different. You know what I'm saying? Losing, losing my pops and, and change things. You know what I'm saying? It's get a little emotional to think about my pops, but I missed him. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, you know, when I didn't have him around, um, kind of lose my train of thought thinking about my pops. It's okay. So, back yeah. to question though. No, no, it's all, it's all good. <laughs> yeah, I, I was, yeah, I was, yeah. I was just talking about when you knew that it was time to retire, and I, yeah, I do understand. Yeah, I miss why so, you feel that way. Yeah. So my pops, man, it was, it was, it was, it was time to retire because I didn't have my pops from the day I stepped on the basketball court. That man watched me. He coached me. He cheered for me, you know what I'm saying? And when I didn't have him watching, when I didn't have him coaching, when I didn't have him cheering, it just wasn't the same. You know what I'm saying? I, I wasn't the same. I was able to still give what I needed to give to other people, but nobody was really giving to me. You know what I'm saying? Like I say, remember I tell you, you can't pour from an empty cup. My pops was my biggest cheerleader. My pops was my biggest fan. You know what I'm saying? So even though I wasn't playing that much, or I would sit on the bench or whatever the situation may be and pour into 15 other guys, you know what I'm saying? My pops was always pouring into me. So when I lost the person I was pouring into me, it was kind of time to step away from it. Mm, it changed what the game was. Yeah, it changed what the game was. You know what I'm saying? I just, like I said, my pops from the day I stepped on the basketball court, he was there with me. So when I lost him and he wasn't going to be a part of my last year, it, it changed kind of what the last year meant to me. And it, it kind of changed a little bit of the journey, but I was still thankful. But yeah, that, it was time. Yeah. No, I, I understand. Feel, you can get as emotional as you need. That That is totally fine. My mom, um, she lost both her parents very close together. And one thing she always would say is that it never gets easier. It just gets more real to you. And so I, I totally empathize with that. And I'm so sorry for your loss. Yeah, it was different. The game just, it wasn't the same. You know what I'm saying? I still love the game. I still love impacting the people around me. I still love everything that I was doing, but I just wasn't getting the same feelings, you know what I'm saying, that I used to get. So, yeah, it was time. Mm-hmm. Did that change how happy the game made you? 
Um, yeah, winning. Winning always make me happy. Mm-hmm. Hey, with no better feeling than holding up that trophy in Boston last year. East Conference Finals, you know what I'm saying? That makes you feel good, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Winning game seven on the road. Um, obviously, you know, we didn't get it done in Denver, um, but, you know, just the gratitude of, you know, getting that far my last year, you know what I'm saying? It made it worth it. You know what I mean? It made it, it, made it all worth it. Winning cures everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, winning cures everything for sure. <laughs> hey, I know that is absolutely true. <laughs> yes, winning cures everything. Yeah. So, yes, winning, it, it cures it all. Mm-hmm. So how have you just overall dealt with the transition of being a retired player? I mean, for most of your life, you're doing one thing. I haven't stopped. Staying busy. I still get up and work out every morning. I worked out this morning. I hit the ground running. Um, business is my passion now. You know what I'm saying? I got my hands on a lot of pots. I like to call myself the octopus hustler. You know what I'm saying? Just <laughs> I might take that. Yeah, I just like to call myself the octopus hustler. I mean, what, what what you want? Like, what you need? What the city need? You know what I'm saying? We got affordable housing. You know what I'm saying? We all understand, you know what I'm saying, the gap right now with the housing situation out here. I can get into the numbers, but they probably don't want to hear them. But right now, you know what I'm saying? Annually, people making like 48, 50,000 in South Florida. It takes 100, 110,000 to rent comfortably. So now we're trying to bridge the gap of housing. You know what I'm saying? Um, mental health. You know what I'm saying? I got a mental health project and facility that we got coming up. You know what I'm saying? Should be done. Um, jobs. Got Starbucks. Got Einstein's. Got Subway. Um, medical marijuana. I'm the part of the flowery. You know what I'm saying? I tell all my homeboys, you should not be going to jail for weed in 2023, dog. You should not. I do not want you to be worried about nobody getting behind you and you nervous. We is too old for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it is now legal, brother. Go get your paperwork. You know what I'm saying? So for me, um, just business is my passion, man. I'm all over the place with that. I love it. Um, TV. Yes. Yeah. I've I seen the spots. I said, we've got a star, folks. A little TV, a little TV. You know what I'm saying? My boy Dwayne told me a long time ago. He said, man, you know, when you think about it, you should probably think about doing a little TV. It's like you got a knowledge of the game. You got a good personality. You know what I'm saying? You might enjoy it. So that was something that he told me a long time ago. And, you know, for one thing about, you know what I'm saying, my boy Dwayne, like, you know what I mean? we The conversations we have are so, like, different from, like, what we used to talk about. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Now it's about business. Now it's about life. Now it's about adulthood. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Encouraging conversations. So he, he put me on TV a long time ago and told me I should, something I should look into. I love that. And and Dwayne is another, like, elder statesman of yeah, the league, you know? Yeah, so yeah. it's absolutely a match made in heaven. Uh, speaking of business, I know you said you want to one day be some sort of owner of the Heat. What conversations have you had with, you know, Pat Riley about, about that goal of yours? Yeah. We still having them. It's a lot of paperwork. It's a lot of layers to that. You know what I'm saying? It's not easy. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, the, I wouldn't say so much Pat. It'd be Mickey and, and Nick. Um, but they're open. <clears throat> and it's a conversation that we're having. Um, and, you know, when I talk about, you know, not really, you know, having like dreams, how could you dream about sitting here having a conversation about being an owner with the Miami Heat? You can't dream that as a kid. You know what I'm saying? Those are things that I, I wouldn't have been able to process of even dreaming. So like I said, I just kept my head down and just worked. And just once I achieved one thing, okay, damn. All right, what else I could do if I push? What yeah. else I could do if I try? What else have I, what I could do? You know what I'm saying? I, I've learned a lot, you know what I'm saying, what I can do if I just put myself in the right position and handle my business the right way. You know what I'm saying? So um, that's on the table and we're working on it. And hopefully it'll happen soon, sooner than later. But it's, 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 it's an opportunity for sure. Absolutely. One thing that is very clear to me and that I really like is sort of a common thread in your life is that 
you are open to your goals constantly changing. Yeah. And you understand that, like I said, even though the world might be here, your world gets like this, but then you see that the world can still get bigger and bigger. Pivot. Life for mm -hmm. me has been, and I don't hate to say it because that's them boys' show, but pivot. Y'all boys got a hell of a show, <laughs> but life for me has been how you pivot, man. How yeah. can you pivot? Because if you think you just going to draw this map and say, I want life to go like this, 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 and I'm going to be here, it ain't going like that. You know what I'm saying? It ain't going like that. I'm sorry to tell you, but the American dream or the house, the dog, you get your degree and you go to school and you get the full cars and all that. And you, no, go to school. Your ass going to probably be in debt. So all this <laughs> stuff that we was told is what's the American dream to make us happy. Nah, bro, what's your definition of happiness? You got to find that out yourself. You got to walk your path and see what makes you happy, what don't make you happy. And you got to live in your truth to get to your happiness, man. But for me, Nah, man, my happiness ain't been what people told me it was going to be. I had to figure it out and find it myself. Because if I listened to what people told me, I wouldn't be happy and I wouldn't be here. Yeah, absolutely. And you do have to pivot. And no, we we love the pivot here. I've been yeah, on the no, show, too. Those guys dog, are Fred great. Fred T, go Gator. Channing's a mess. Channing, go Gator. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Ryan, love what you're doing. They're, they're great. I, I was on that show and I had a beautiful time. Um, I read that you have a lot of jerseys around your house. but MJ, Dan Marino, a bunch of people. What's your favorite jersey and which jersey has the best story about how it was acquired? Oh, wow. That's a great question. My favorite jersey? Hmm. I would probably have to say my favorite jersey would be... That's a great question. Who put... Why would you put... My favorite jersey would have to be my 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 uh, Dwayne. Dwayne gave me his Olympic jersey. I have a Dwayne Wade Olympic jersey, and that was and out of all the jerseys I have, obviously you know the Olympics is a, a different level. You know what I'm saying? And that's something that you know I I've never been able to experience. I never obviously will be able to experience that. But you know what I'm saying? At that point in his life, you know what I'm saying to be representing the country. You know what I'm saying? To be on that platform and to be one of the, you know, chosen few to represent that country and to come back with that jersey. And I'm sure you don't have a, a lot of those. You know what I'm saying? And to bring back one of those jerseys and assign it and give it to me. I probably have to say that's probably one of the more prized possessions because it could have been anybody. He could have gave that jersey too. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Olympic jersey. Um, but he gave it to me. So I would have said that's probably one of my more, you know, prized, prized possessions as far as jersey-wise. And then my Dan Marino. Anything Dolphins. Dan Marino, Mark Clayton. Super duper. I got all those jerseys. Anything Dolphins is like at the top of the list. Yeah. And all of them the same. And, I, and no no man is above each other, even though Dan Marino was the king. <laughs> the guy. I put Duper and Clayton right next to him. Amazing. Okay, I want to talk about the D-Wade jerseys really quick because that's a beautiful story. How did it come into your possession? Why do you think he gave it to you? What was his you know reasoning when he presented it? Well, I tried to buy it at an auction. Mm. And I bid for it. And when it was time for me to pay, he said, nah, he wouldn't take my money. Say so your money's no good here. <laughs> wow. So uh, you know, I appreciate my boy for doing that. But I bid it for it. I bid it for it at an auction um, for one of his charity events. And then when he realized that I was the one who won a charity, he wouldn't take my money. He just signed it and told me he wanted me to have it. That's beautiful. Any message or just the signature on it? Uh, I think it's like to the realest nigga I know or some shit like that. <laughs> <laughs> like, you said yeah, absolutely. No real talk. You asked. That's what was on it. I think it's what the realest. Nigga. I love it. That's what was on it. <laughs> No, that's beautiful. And that is like an iconic jersey. Yeah, to have. no, that's so my dog. That's really great. Well, last one for you, you know, speaking of jerseys, it's been, you know, said that your jersey is going to be retired. It's going to be right there. When you, 
when people look up in the rafter, rafters and see your jersey, what do you want them to feel? Uh, when you look up in the rafters and see my jersey, what do you feel? Ah, uh, shit. One of the realest, I guess, that would put on a heat jersey. One of the hardest working. You feel the, when you look up there, you f the DNA, the culture. You know what I'm saying? I think every guy has taken it and kind of made it better. So it was Zoe. And then, you know, you see me now. And I made it a little better. And until Bam, or he hangs his jersey up there, I'm going to be the one that's kind of the guy who made it what it is right now. You know what I'm saying? So when you look up at that jersey, you're going to see the bearer of the culture of the DNA for the Miami Heat for a long-ass time. <laughs> for and a long-ass time. When you look at that jersey and the rafters, how will you feel? Accomplished, finally. Because I don't ever let myself really look at my accomplishments. I kind of, like I said, I always keep my head down. When I accomplish one thing, I go for something else. Once you get up there, I'm going to finally exhale and say, okay, you did all right for yourself, boy. <laughs> but until then, like I said, I've just been keeping my head down working. But once it get up there, I'm going to look back and I'm going to finally reflect because I don't reflect often. I'm not much of a reflection type person, you know what I'm saying? I'm more of a person that gets up in the morning and I kind of do my little words of affirmation and I move forward. I ain't, I ain't looking back too much, you know what I'm saying? But when that when jersey go up there, I reflect. I look back. God. You I deserve allow, to I exhale. I allow myself that. Yeah, no, I love that. You deserve to exhale. Thank You've you. done a lot. And you are a pleasure. This Thank was beautiful. Thank, Thank you so much. You thanks guys. for having me. Absolutely. Anytime. It.